Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for Basil's opinion. Today is August 1st, 2016. It's the day of the trade deadline, and this is episode 174. My name is Jake English, and as always, I am here riding on the coattails of Mr. Scott Magnus. Now, if you're listening to my voice right now, it's most likely that you're doing it on our website, which is birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can also find us on the Baltimore Sports Report at baltimoresportsreport.com slash network, and you can also find us at uh, baseballtalkradio.com. Check this show out on Google Play Music and iTunes, and if you do, please rate and review this show. Find us on social media all over the place. Uh, hey, I've been trying to do Snapchat, so try to follow us on Snapchat. It's uh, it's a thing, but the best place to find us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeview, B-A-L. And with that, Scott Magnus, I need to know, I need to know, what is your drink of this week? Jake, my drink of the week this week, Jake, I, I got to get the dirty out of this. I'm doing a gin and tonic, but I regret to inform you too that you may have missed a few pieces of news that came over the trade deadline today. Jake, I've been traded to a local Braves podcast, so this will be my final one. Apparently, um, my deal included for some like prospects and some gin and tonics for you in the future. Ouch, ouch. You know, Scott, this is horrible news. I mean, I, frankly, I'm I'm devastated at the thought of losing you, but but beyond that, I'm I'm terrified for you having to podcast in that godforsaken place i mean wait 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 one second i oh, never mind my medical review just came back and it failed so i will be sticking with you apparently i've got some kind of liver and kidney condition so uh with that bottoms up for a gin and tonic this week i'm so relieved you yeah. never would have survived uh you never would have survived atlanta all right i myself am drinking an uh perpetual ipa from trogues one of my favorites that's a really good beer it is a fantastic beer. I'm not, what do you think about the redesign? I don't love it. Yeah. I don't love it. The The whole Trogues redesign looks too generic. One of the things I did love about Trogues is that you could spot it anywhere when you were in the uh, the liquor store. It kind of looks like a Pokemon Go status card almost. It does it indeed. Yeah. <laughs> does it indeed. All right. If you are interested in what we're drinking, please find us on Untapped. I'm at Jake E4025. Scotty. I'm at MAG. Eight six zero six, and with that, Ken Rosenthal is informing us that we should go over to the medical wing. I think that's actually a false Ken Rosenthal. <sighs> it's yeah, it's a fake one. Darn. You always have to wait for the giggle. It's okay if you giggle. 
So speaking about tickling, Joey Rickard isn't going to be doing a lot of tickling lately with that broken thumb. Look, you do a lot of segues on this show. That one may be the most questionable. <laughs> What's wrong with a little tickling joke? Uh, okay, so Joey Rickard, he's hurt. I, I think I think what I'm hearing you say is my soul and Joey Rickard's thumb are hurt. Joey Rickard is hurt. Again, we talked about it last week. Definitely out till September. Maybe the rest of the season. I would try to hide him, honestly. Why do you have to hide him? him? Well, we'll get to that later. Yeah. Why do you have to hide him? Hunter Harvey went through his Tommy John surgery. Everything was a resounding success. So in a year, we'll figure out whether or not he can actually still pitch or not. Right, right, right. They, they just grafted, uh, you know, a, a, another animal's uh, ligaments to his arm. I, I feel like the the medical wing was packed over the last couple of weeks, and we're finally getting some modicum of health with these Orioles. Want to ask you a quick question, and we'll dive into it a little bit later on the show. Ooh, question. Do you think that the uh, comment about the Orioles still dealing with the virus are legit? No. Okay. Not at all. Not at all. That's absolutely hogwash. All right. So otherwise, the Orioles pretty healthy. Yeah, absolutely. As a former Major League Baseball player myself, I can tell <laughs> you that a flu of that kind would never impact my performance on a day-in, a day-out basis. Scott, have you ever been in a Major League clubhouse? Do you even know? Easy, Keith Mills. Easy. All right. Let's go to 140 characters less because this is what we're really good at this week on the Twitter. Jake, why don't you go ahead and... Take the first one, big boy. I just want to tell you that Joe Angel has been such a treat, such a joy, such a great add to Orioles Twitter. Here's a tweet from Joe Angel who tweets at wave it bye bye. Necessity is the mother of invention. Hashtag Orioles need a Thursday. I have a need on Thursday. A baldo will, ha- uh, will fill that need. Daughter born dot dot dot. He gets twins on Thursday. And I got to tell you, the way that he capitalized the word twins, it, it led me to those old commercials. And twins. I like some uh, Joe Angel on Twitter. Keep it up. Jake, the whole reason we do this podcast is really to make a lasting impact on the Orioles community. And uh, we do that through sharing, you know, GIFs and, you know, just making general lexicon terms. So the one lexicon term that I think we we have dubbed uh, was hashtag dongs after dark. And it really feels like it's it's become a part of uh, the, the culture of Birdland. So this actually came from Andrew Stetka. It was a conversation. You were actually in the press box, and you were talking about um, the kiss cam. Um, and you pointed out that back in the dark ages, the kiss cam was a private affair. And Andrew Stetka, fellow listener of the show, Masson uh, article um, writer too, uh, wrote, at Bird's Eye VBL, private affair, dot, 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 another sequel to hashtag dongs after dark. Yes. I like that this is a thing. Uh, I, this is what we are here to do is just make sure that running jokes continue through the season. That's oh. what our podcast is all about is running jokes. I have a question for you. Yeah. Did you just say GIF? Yeah, GIF. Are you on the GIF side of this argument? Actually, I normally say GIF, but I've been told that I'm supposed to say GIF now. That's crap. What does is, what is GIF stand for? It stands for graphical i think it's graphical interface format isn't it starts with a g don't you work for like an it company it starts with a g <laughs> I, i'm not arguing this i was just told that by like proper like oxford dictionary something now that it's actually gif listen you may be right those folks that are telling you that may even be right right 
But I am on the gift side of this wall, sir. So what you're saying is we should Brexit out of this conversation. Absolutely. Okay. With that, I'm going to go to a tweet <laughs> from Justin McGuire, who tweets at SN. The hashtag Orioles are showing that it's hard to be a buyer when you don't have anything worthwhile to sell. And you know what, Scotty? This is not only a great tweet, but I think one that should be scheduled just about every year. Yeah, it's going to be that way for ooh, at least another five or six years. Um, next tweet comes from at Jebby Burns. You can follow him. Well, at Jebby Burns. Um, happy birthday, Cap 10. And that's Cap, C-A-P, 10, at simply AJ10. Yes, it is Adam Jones' birthday today, August 1st. Congratulations for Adam Jones for making it another year as a highly paid, lucrative um, Major League Baseball player. But, Jake, what do you think about the the Cap 10 thing? Um, I hate to do this. Yeah. I'm going to agree with Jabby Burns. I kind of love it. First of all, the Cap 10 wordplay, I'm down with that. Uh, I am down with playing of the words. But secondly, Adam Jones is the driver of this team both in the offense and in the clubhouse. And so I ask you, Scott, as do I ask the rest of Birdland, at what point are we just going to go ahead and slap the C on uh, Adam Jones's chest and acknowledge that he's the captain of this team? No. Why not? Are, are, you, are you against it only because the only t- other team that you know that's done it recently is the yes. loathsome Boston Red Sox? Oh, I thought the Yankees. Okay. Don't let them own it. It doesn't belong to them. The thing is, on a baseball team, you really don't need to have a captain. I think that baseball teams would disagree with you. Oh, oh that's fine. And I don't think that Adam Jones's uh, presence in the locker room, in the clubhouse, on this team can be understated. With a personality as big as Jones, and and I would say... He has he has two ways to go with that personality, right? Yeah. He has obnoxious, self-centered, detrimental to the team, or he can take it full circle the other way and be productive with it. And I would argue that he does. I guess the bigger issue I have it too is combining the numbers into letters and words, just like Ray Two Pecked. Just I'd rather not ever see that associated with the Baltimore Orioles once again. So Jerry Burns, once again, proving deep down in his heart, he is a Yankees fan at heart. Can we can we break the tie with the listeners? Folks, sure. tweet at us, please. First of all, one, do you or do you not believe that, that Adam Jones is the captain of this team and should be referred to as such? Second question, legit or not legit, cap 1-0, cap 10, wordplay. Legit or not legit. So can we do hashtag my captain, my captain? <laughs> oh, O's. <laughs> O's captain, my captain. That's hashtag O's captain, my captain. See, that's wordplay, Scott. That's wordplay. That's wordplay. See, got to take it up a notch. Speaking about taking it up a notch each and every day, this next tweet comes from Luke Jones at Baltimore Luke. The Orioles just signed a guy who was pitching in Japan to their 25-man roster in late July. That's bizarre even by their standards. It's really hard to argue here. I mean, this really is, is. This is absolutely foreign territory no literally this isn't this is not this is literally foreign territory that the orioles are going and signing people from there is no reason uh the orioles are making the moves that they were doing um and going out and getting relief pitchers at this time but i'm spoiling a little bit sorry jump the gun a little bit you are a bit premature i'm very much premature let's go ahead 
and go around the bases and figure out what exactly is going on with our Baltimore Orioles. All right, let's do it. Let's go around the bases. This is our segment where we break up a couple of topics that are big in the world of Orioles baseball. And, Scotty, I want to start here at first base with the most important thing that we could talk about here on trade deadline day, and that is the Orioles' huge, and I mean just massive, gigantic, earth-shattering acquisitions in the last couple of days. Let's just let's just uh, separate these. Let's break it down a little bit. First— you mentioned it in the uh, this week on the Twitter segment. Orioles sign Logan, uh, let's say... Andruzic? Andruzic? Yeah, it's Andruzic. Okay. From the uh, Yalcut Sucks. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, wait. No, that's the Yalcut Swallows. That's the Tokyo Yalcut Swallows. Sorry, sorry. So uh, they got Andruzic from the Swallows. Um, I, I'm just going to make an assumption. After he was dismissed from the team by getting into a fight in the locker room. What? Yeah, you didn't hear that story? No. Oh, there is... You, Wait, just hang on a second, because okay. there's plenty I don't know. Uh, I'm going to make some assumptions here, because I don't know anything about this guy. It's going to be a normal podcast, then. Go ahead. I'm going to assume that, that we got this guy just because he happens to be left-handed, and we need a left-handed reliever. Uh, except he's right-handed. What? Yeah, he's right-handed. Although, he was credited by Dan Duquette when he was signed of saying he really does very well to get left-handers out. So this is just some guy? It's not even the fact that we don't have a, a good enough loogie in our system. He's just a dude, and we went and signed him from Japan? That is correct. Really? Yes, really. This team is in first place, and we're getting dudes from the, the Yalkut Swallows? Yes, that is correct. That is exactly what we're doing. And we're doing it because they're getting kicked off the team for fighting? Yes. So he got kicked out of the team for fighting and basically got released from his contract. This isn't shtick. This is a real thing? This is a real thing, yes. So you want me to explain to you why we're doing this move? Please. Okay. So you know how the Orioles are trying to save money in order to make further moves. So actually, uh, this is a move done by the organization. They are in cooperation with the CIA right now. Um, Logan Andruzic actually was an informant against the Japanese mafia, um, and uh, the Orioles are going into a witness protection program with him, um, and they're going to be offering him protection so the Japanese mafia does not come and get him. Uh, first of all, I don't believe you, and that story— You don't believe me about the Yakuza? That story doesn't hold water because with the Orioles starting rotation, you can't be— in the witness protection program in the bullpen because you are going to be seen by everyone uh, starting in the fourth or fifth inning. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. All right. So this is a dude. He's right, right-handed. He pitched for the Reds before he went to Japan, right? Yes. And he was basically, uh, let me guess, a middling middle reliever. He was Brad Brock before he got good. Oof. And, and because we got some guy who got kicked off his team in Japan, we jettisoned Chaz Rowe. That is correct. Now, don't don't get me wrong. I have no love for Chaz Rowe. I'm not I'm not a Chaz Rowe enthusiast. But Chaz Rowe had his upside, right? Eh, I mean, whatever. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. The ability to go multiple innings, and you've seen that. Wait for it. Wait for it. GIF of his slider, right? Yeah, I have. But again, we haven't seen that much of that great slider. So yes, it's a really cool picture, but. 
big deal, so what? Who cares? I think if you look at Andrusic, you know, you come to the point of he's got a really high upside in terms of K per nine. Uh, when he was with the Reds in 2014, not 2015, 2014, he had a 9.22 K per nine over his career, 7.13. Um, the walk command is eh, 3.2. He could be a serviceable reliever, but nothing much more than that. I guess the question I would raise, Jake, is there has to be a better internal option, right? No. Really? No, I, I don't think there is. That's the problem. See, I disagree. Let's come back to Tyler Wilson. Tyler Wilson came in and was able to go four innings plus and do a pretty decent job. Four, four innings of perfect baseball. Right. So from this team, do you really want a right-handed pitcher that's coming in and only be able to go one inning like Chaz wrote? Or do you want someone like we were talking about that is a multi-inning relief pitcher that can post multiple innings? I would personally rather have someone that is a fringe relief pitcher, which Andrusic is, and I'd rather have Tyler Wilson or Mike Wright in that spot as opposed to uh, Logan Andrusic. I, I don't understand this move whatsoever. I, I agree with you. Um, they did get this guy for nothing but money, right? So they didn't have to. They didn't have to part with anything other than Chaz Rowe, who who they might get back, you, right? He may clear waivers. You're right. I mean, money is not that big of a deal. I mean, that's why we trade away draft picks for it. But but this could come back to being an addition to the organization without necessarily costing anything. And for an organization that is incredibly thin, this is one of those Danduquette things of adding to the fringes of the 40-man roster that reeks of, well, like, it's not that sexy, but I, I guess it'll do. All right, listen. If you actually think Logan and Drusick is going to be any – benefit or significant value whatsoever i will make you this deal i will grow my hair out to look exactly like logan andrusic <laughs> well that's the question does he have a mullet because if he's going to replace Chaz Rowe, he is required to grow the mullet i, I don't know if it's really a mullet as a mo- more of a it's like a beaver head in the back basically all right you asked me a question which i dodged which was do you think he's actually going to provide us anything and i will say no to a point here's the point uh, if I trust Dan Duquette to do anything, it's to wear blue ties and and try to defect to Canada. But if I if I trust him to do a second thing, it's to come up with fifteen or twenty or twenty five excellent innings from a pitcher that shouldn't be that good, and then to cobble it together with another ten, fifteen, twenty five innings from another relief pitcher who shouldn't be that good in dominating fashion to get us to either the playoffs or almost therein. And this kind of seems like that move. This seems more like a move like going out and getting Randy Wolf during the 2012 season, which really doesn't mean anything of significance. It's like, oh, that's interesting, but there's nothing of merit or value behind it. Did I miss him being a redhead? No, you did not. So let's move off of Logan Andrusic because I never want to talk about Logan Andrusic any further. All right, let's go to another really exciting move that the Orioles made. Okay, so the big news was Orioles traded for Wade Miley left-handed pitcher from the Seattle Mariners, previously the Boston Red Sox. Um, so, Jake, the trade was for Ariel Miranda, a 27-year-old uh, Cuban left-handed prospect um, who was pitching down in Norfolk, um, and they got Wade Miley straight up for him. That was the only only caveat of the deal. So we can all agree, I think, that Ariel Miranda was not going to offer anything of tangible benefit 
to you, this organization. You just called him a prospect at, I, at best. I'm not sure I would use that term. I think he's an org soldier. I, I really yes. think he's nothing more than organizational filler. And look, I don't have anything against him, but they got him in Cuba for, for next to nothing. They brought him in. He's 27. Maybe he's 27. He's a left-handed pitcher. He's probably, he's been making starts in Norfolk, but that's only because our, our organization is so thin. He's probably not going to be a starter anywhere else. And we got a, a, a major league pitcher for him. I think that's a win. I think he was, Miranda was, was labeled as 26th or 27th in the Orioles organization. And if you're 26, 27 in an organization like the Orioles, that means you're a next to nobody. Okay. I buy you to a certain regard. I think it's, it's a, it's a win if you look at value of one player versus the value of the, of the other. But I come back to the point of the money. And I hate to harp about it because people Let's are going to say, it. "Let's do it. Let's hey, talk about the money. It's not your money. Why are you concerned about it?" Well, yeah, but what it, you don't know is it, it is Scott's it, it really, money. It really is Scott is Peter Andrews. It really is the team's money, and it's really the fan base's money to a certain regard because you know we come back and you know the payroll went up this year, and so did ticket prices. So, bottom line, yes, the 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 product on the field reflects the ticket prices. To be naive of that is kind of foolish. So, let's look at Wade Miley. He's owed. Uh, about $3 million the rest of this season. He's owed $8.8 million next season, and he's got a 2018 team option for $12 million. So, Jake, my question is, and this has been raised by a few people, why wouldn't you just go out and save Miguel Gonzalez instead of going out and trading for Wade Miley? I mean, Miguel Gonzalez could have fit the Wade Miley role, except Wade Miley is a left-hander and Miguel Gonzalez isn't. So I don't have a good answer for you. I have a crappy answer. Would you like that one? I love crappy answers. The crappy answer is that the Miguel Gonzalez thing was short-sightedness. Okay. And the Wade Miley move is, oh, crap, we don't have any pitchers, and we got rid of people like Miguel Gonzalez. What can we do? I really think that's what it comes down to. I can buy that. Now, let's talk about the money. Uh, I don't know a ton about Wade Miley. I know he had a really awful season with Boston a few years ago, and he was off at uh, where the heck was he? The Padres? No, I don't think so. I think he was actually with the with the Red Sox and the Mariners. And the Mariners, Mariners, right? Okay. So uh, the thing about Miley is, and I think Jeff Sullivan over at Fangraphs put it best: Wade Miley doesn't make a lot of contending teams better, but he does make the Orioles better. Yes. And the thing is, is that Wade Miley is at best, let's let's be generous, at best, a fourth starter in the majors. Yes, okay? at best. <laughs> but the thing is, is that the Orioles don't have a fourth starter. Right. The Orioles are throwing out Obaldo Jimenez, who is at this point well, a bat boy. And they also they have— They threw out Obaldo Jimenez against the Twins, which is kind of a spot startish is the best way to describe it. So, But I'm saying they're at the point where instead of a fifth starter, they're throwing Obaldo Jimenez. They also have Dylan Bundy, who's been effective, but he's not going to be there for the long term because he's got to be on some sort of innings limit. And they've got uh, uh, Worley. They've got the Vanimal throwing uh, for them in the rotation right now, which is also not a situation that's tenable for the length of the season. So they needed innings. So what do they do? They went out and they got Wade Miley. Am I excited about it? No. Do I think it's better than what we had? Unfortunately, probably. Can I tell you, it really reminds me very similar of the Orioles going out and getting Joe Saunders. Yes, it's ex- that is exactly what this it is. It is a Joe Saunders-like trade, and it's just like, you look and you're just like, eh, I understand why you did it, but eh. And to go out and get a Joe Saunders-like player, 
especially for August and September, is well worth it. Now, I'm not sure if it's going to be well worth it next year, but it's not like the Orioles have an extreme amount of depth. We've already kind of eliminated multiple topics. We've eliminated Tyler Wilson from being a potential starter. We've eliminated Mike Wright from being a potential starter. So you're certainly down in terms of players that you're going to come back, and it doesn't seem like you're going to basically have a ball to Jimenez come back and pitch for you. So yes, Wade Miley gives you that depth um, in, in the organization that really has no starting pitching depth. Can I ask you something? Sure. I mean, you, you keep talking about the money, and I, I think to an extent you're right, but I think in the short term we're okay. And here's the reason why. We're paying him uh, the prorated amount of whatever his contract is this year. I think it's $6 million It's $6 million, so it's going to be th- a little under $3 million. Yeah. Next year, he's owed almost $9 million, and yeah. just a tick under $9 million. And then the following year, he has an option for twelve. Right. All right. So it's a $500,000 buyout for the $12 million. So let's just throw that out. We're spending $500,000. And we're going to buy him out, more yeah. than likely, unless he has a blockbuster season, which right. is probably not going to happen. So let's talk about 2017. Yeah. 2017, this team is going to have a lot of needs, uh, one of which is starting pitching. Yep. Right. And I would argue more than one starting pitching role needs to be filled next year. We've we've addressed the fact that we think that he is a, f- a fourth starter, a, yep. leg- a legit major, major league starter, yep. regardless of how good he is. Is a tick under $9 million the going rate for a fourth starter? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I got to be honest. If he doesn't suck, and I can't vouch for that, if he doesn't suck this year and next year, it's not a horrific move for a nobody. Oh, no, I agree with you. It's not a horrific move. You come back to— It does need to work, though. You come back to the value thing, which you just pointed out. $9 million normally equates to 1.0 F war. Um, and Wade Miley, over the past, ooh, let's see, four seasons now, has always been above 1.0 F war. 2013, 1.8. 2014, 1.5. 2015, 2.6. And this year, uh, even though he's had a rough season— it's looking like he's going to be right around like 1.2 war. Um, again, so he's going to make that $9 million in space, and he's only going to pay, get paid $6 million this year as it is. So Wade Miley does have value. Um, it just comes back to how much better would it be than Miguel Gonzalez? Um, and, and that's the big question is, how much is it that what was it that important to get, get a left-hander? But I'm going to make an argument. I'm going to come back to the whole Miguel Gonzalez. I think Wade Miley may offer... Um, a slight benefit of Miguel Gonzalez. I think he has a, a higher ceiling is the best way to describe it. Whereas Miguel Gonzalez got there and you're just like, he always feels like he's going to get shellacked. Uh, he never had something that was really impressive. And and Wade Miley certainly has a propensity to give up the long ball. Um, but he also has a propensity also to get a, a large portion of ground balls. He's been moving more towards the sinker, um, in, in the past years, he's gotten away from it this year for some reason, but I'm sure the Orioles are going to get back to him throwing sinkers. And if there's one thing this team does really well, it's pushing a sinker down pitchers' throats. Um, so I, I, I think this is a, a good move. I'm not happy with him. It's like, help, this is going to get us to the playoffs. This is a, this is one of those predictions that we made at the beginning of the season, which was the Orioles are going to get by with a multitude of pitchers. And there's going to be a lot of pitchers that only pitch like eight to 10 starts. And that's exactly what's happening here is you've got people such as Mike Wright and Tyler Wilson and Vance Worley and Dylan Bundy and Wade Miley, who are all going to have eight to 10 starts and it's going to culminate into the end of the season. It's going to be like, I don't know how they got through it, but they did somehow. 
And you and I talked about who we thought the Orioles would get. And, you know, I threw out their uh, Rich Hill and and Nolasco and the likes. We knew that we weren't going to get top flight talent. We knew that we were going to get this second tier or third tier or whatever it is that Miley fits into. Uh, Real quick before we go on to the big headline. Yeah. uh, You mentioned the home runs. Home runs, do they concern you at all at Camden Yards rather than Petco? Because if he's giving up home runs at Petco, he's going to give up home runs at, at Oriole Park uh, and Fenway and New York. It, it certainly concerns me. To uh, There's no lie. I mean, it, it's an alarming trend. You would just hope, to a certain regard, that he would regress back to his career average and maybe the first half of the season was an outlier and the, the second half of the season maybe gets a little bit better. I, I, you, you can't say for sure, but you certainly hope that's the way things are going to work out um, for him uh, going forward. All right, then let's do it. I know that's a lot of optimism. <laughs> are, am I talking to Jim Hunter right now? Is that yeah. what's happening? Yeah, sorry. Let's do it. Let's talk about the big news that happened today. Okay. And this is something that you, Scott Magnus, have been pushing for for quite some time. So I don't want to say that you were uh, prophetical about this, but it's possible. The Orioles went out and they got Steve Pierce. Yeah. They heard your cries, Scott. Yep. They heard you. I know they watch, I know they follow us on Twitter. So, I mean, it's one of those things where they're just like, you know what? We're going to finally listen to those guys this one time. That's a really good idea. Yeah. All right. Uh, Steve Pierce, we all know him. We all love him. Team what Steve. What Wait, does he? Who the hell? Who the hell is Steve Pierce? Yeah. What does he do for us? All right. So Steve Pierce fixes the issue with Joey Rickard being out. Doesn't solve having a backup center fielder, but you could easily play a platoon situation if you wanted to with Hunsu Kim and Steve Pierce uh, for the time being. It also allows uh, Steve Pierce to potentially go to right field, play right field, uh, and ma- let Mark Trumbo become a DH. You could also DH. Um, Steve Pierce instead of Pedro Alvarez against left-handed bat, uh, left-handed pitching as well. Chris Davis as well. Chris Davis as well, if you really want to, but I don't think you really want to. Uh, but also gives you a really good off-the-bench bat um, as well in terms of those late innings. I mean, there's many of games there where you looked at down the bench and it's just like, well, we've got Nolan Reimold, and that's about it. So Caleb Joseph. Right. So Steve Pierce offers you that, that tangible bat. Uh, and the really big thing that he, I think he offers is he hits left-handed pitching um, – Great. Um, right now it's above, I think, 200 weighted runs created plus for the season. Let me pull this up really quickly. 227 weighted runs created plus versus left-handed pitching this season. So, yeah, that, that's that's pretty darn good. Uh, and, and talking about the Baltimore Orioles, they're not very good against um, left-handed pitching. Um, they are 28th in – I'm sorry, 26th in the league in t- against left-handed pitching with an 85 runs create, weighted runs created plus. And the other thing that C. Pierce does a really good job with and has over his career is hit changeup pitching really well, which the Baltimore Orioles are 29th right now in the league against changeup pitchers. So if you're going against a pitcher that is, oh, I don't know, a soft-tossing lefty that throws a bunch of change-ups, Steve Pierce could be that you know catalyst that helps to drive the rest of your offense during those periods where you are basically hacking and swinging and hacking and swinging. At least getting one person on base and pulling a little pressure maybe disrupts the apple cart a little bit and maybe puts a positive dent in this team. And I just said we know Steve Pierce. And here's what we know about Steve Pierce. Everyone joked professional hitter, but that's that's what he is, right? He's not going to get cheated out of his at-bats, particularly when he's not a starter. Right. When Steve Pierce comes off the bench or he gets an occasional start, he milks those at bats. He does not waste them. As you indicated, he hits lefties. 
he does it all in the outfield, right? He can play the corner outfield positions. He can play uh, let's first not have, base. Let's not have him play center field, though. No, he, well, plays he the, does not play center field. He plays the corners. He plays first base. He can DH. Heck, he can he can play second base. I saw right. that in a tweet today. Um, I love Steve Pierce. I love Steve Pierce because he can do a lot of things well. Most of those things are hitting the baseball under certain conditions. Right. And Buck Showalter knows how to get him into those certain situations. Um, Can I ask you a question? Yeah. So we're putting Steve Pierce in the lineup eventually is the best way to describe it. Where are you batting Steve Pierce in this lineup? Uh, I'd put him anywhere between second and sixth. Okay. I have a tendency to agree with you second to sixth. I'd be really interested to see... Maybe against left-handed pitching, him in that number two spot. Yeah. I'd just be really interested to see how he would do. Let me ask you this question. Yeah. Uh, Steve Pierce joining this team, which I love. Love love me some Steve Pierce. Do you realize he has 147 weighted runs created plus this season? Really? Yeah. Now, he was hurt for a period this time because that's that's something that, that happens to He's him. He's got 232 plate appearances, that's though. That's what I was looking for. Okay. That's pretty darn good, though. I mean, I know he's hurt for a little bit of time, but 232 plate appearances and 147 weighted runs created plus – you look at the return that the Yankees got for our Carlos Beltran, and then you look at the return that Steve Pierce could offer you. And yes, I realize there's a huge money difference there, but let me throw out some of these numbers here. 11.2% walk rate, 17.2% K rate. Steve Pierce is a really intriguing 388 on base percentage. Steve Pierce is a really interesting number two hole hitter to me. I'd really like to see um, a Hunsu Kim, and I'd love to see. Um, Steve Pierce in, in maybe the number two hole or even Manny Machado in the number two hole and then Steve Pierce. But I really would love to see Hunsu Kim in left field and I'd love to see um, Steve Pierce in right field and then put Mark Trumbo permanently at DH. I would love to see that and see what happens. And I know they don't want to do that because of Pedro Alvarez, but I really want to see both Hunsu Kim and, pa- and Steve Pierce both in there. I feel like if you do that, you unlock like the extra level key and like you get like double bonuses and double XP and stuff like that. Is this a Pokemon go reference? Cause I don't get it. It is a lucky egg reference. Yes. So you're welcome. Charlie Hoppus. My, my <laughs> question to you before you went into Pokemon go territory yes. was, uh, does this signal a lesser role for Pedro Alvarez? Um, I, I think it's possible, but I don't think it's quite at that point, but I could easily see Pedro Alvarez's production being limited in September and October and if Steve Pierce does have continue to have the breakout season, then he does. You know who's who's at bats this really does hurt? Who's that? Ryan Flaherty. Oh, Ryan Flaherty. You want to look at super subs? Hey, look, you need somebody to play first base in a pinch? You go to Ryan Flaherty or Steve Pierce. I'll take Steve Pierce any day of the week. Uh, I think I would still play Ryan Flaherty at second base if I have to, but please do not knock Jonathan Scope out of this lineup if you don't have to. Absolutely not. Let me, let me ask you this. Um, how fun was it watching Orioles Twitter rediscover uh steve pierce gifts i was actually enjoying it myself because i was able to download all the steve pierce gifts that i had deleted from my phone because i was like well i never get to use these steve pierce gifts again and then i got to re-download them all to my phone i was very happy yeah i agree a second last last thing i want to say about steve pierce sure um all of the feels yeah i love this player yeah and and we originally were on the steve pierce hate train slash who the hell are you yeah who the heck is this guy but you want to do yourself a favor. Go back and watch the interviews after the wins in ALDS 2014, right, in that series with Detroit. And if you watch the postgame interviews with Steve Pierce from the locker room with 
tears in his eyes. You will, you will, honestly, he leaked Orioles magic out of his eyes. It, it was clear how much he loved being on that team and watching the Orioles come back to prominence, come back to relevance was the same period as the Steve Pierce period. He represents all of the fields for me. There is no better player in the league to root for than Steve Pierce. And I love having him back. That's, that's, that's nice. So the Orioles did trade Jonah Heim, which was probably one of their, I guess like 10th to like 13th prospect in their organization as well, which I think is something that we need to at least mention briefly and say, huh, well that, that's interesting. I hate that hardcore. What do you think about that? I, I, I think that's too high a price to pay, even for a guy I love like Steve Pierce. What do you think? I think if you're trying to make that one move to really ensure you get to the playoffs, it's an okay move to get rid of a Jonah Heim. But is Steve Pierce that guy? Uh, that's a good question, but uh, I, I'm okay with the move is, is the best way to put it. Here's the issue I have with it, and this is something, again, Twitter has been very vocal about. Steve Pierce um, was signed by the Tampa Bay Rays this offseason for $4.8 million. Nolan Reimold was signed by the Baltimore Orioles for $1.3 million. Why the heck did not the Orioles not just go out and sign Steve Pierce as opposed to offering arbitration to Nolan Reimold? As soon as they offered arbitration to Nolan Reimold, you're like, Steve Pierce is done. Yeah. It was it was like it's not gonna happen. Steve Pierce is gone. If Nolan Reimold would not have been offered arbitration, I'd been like, they're gonna go get Steve Pierce. But the fact that they had Nolan Reimold and knew that he had to be on the twenty five man roster, you basically signed, sealed, and delivered Steve Pierce away from this team. Yeah, I agree. That it was a crap move. And this is a tendency for the Baltimore Orioles. We offered arbitration to Nolan Reimold. We've offered arbitration to Brian Mattis. Look back at the previous season. I mean, people we offered arbitration to, we probably should have said, eh, you know what? We're going to cut our losses and maybe we'll try to resign you, but we do, we can get by without you if we have to. Um, I, I think the Orioles need to be a little bit more due, due, due diligence during the arbitration process and not just say, yeah, we're going to pick you up and just take the conservative route. I think they need to be a little bit more aggressive. And coming back to your point, um, going full circle here, if they really think they can pick up players from Tokyo and feel like feel like they can get some value from it, great. Be that aggressive party. Don't just be conservative arbitration. Um, for as aggressive this team is at the trade deadline and um, with some of their waiver wire pickups, they need to be aggressive too at arbitration and let players go. It is a tough pill to swallow to get rid of a player like Jonah Heim when you could have simply just re-signed Steve Pierce. Yeah. Because you know that if, if the money had been right, he would have come back. Oh, absolutely. In, in, a, in a heartbeat. Yeah. Uh, you tweeted out something that I thought was insightful, and I hate to say that, but I'm going to give you credit. Uh, this does put pretty much all of our catching eggs in the Chance Cisco basket, does it not? No question about it. No question about it. I know there are some people out there um, who are big on Alex Murphy but uh, it, this is this, it's Chance Cisco's show now to prove. I mean, the Orioles could get by with a scop gap of like Caleb Joseph and maybe some free agent signings. And I don't think Chance Cisco is the option for 2017. No, but I could easily see the Orioles saying we're going to go with a stop gap of Caleb Joseph and some backup catcher for 2017. And then in 2018, it's Chance Cisco's chance to basically shine or prove himself. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a dangerous game to play for a, a for a catcher that hasn't really proved himself as um uh, as you know behind the plate in terms of a pitch caller and defensively great bat but past that nothing else that screams he's a catcher so i think we can cap this whole steve pierce discussion off as the following and and correct me if i'm wrong 
this move has all of the feels. We just hope it had better work. That's about right. That's about right. All right, we've we've talked a lot about the big big news. So we, we were at first base. So we we, we essentially basically oh, was this was this around the bases. That this is around the bases. Here? So oh, okay. essentially, we were just like the Orioles' offense. We were basically stated first base and never progressed any further. Man, that's brutal. Yeah. So it was a lackluster week this week for the Baltimore Orioles, who lost three series in a row, both to the Colorado Rockies, the Twins, which. Eh, it's kind of hard to count that as a lost series, but technically by the records it is. And then against the Baltimore Blue Jays. So the Orioles uh, offense over the past seven days had a weighted runs created plus of 56, an on-base percentage of 270, um, a K percentage of 21.3, and a walk percentage of 8.0%. It was in absolutely um, – what's the best part I'm looking for? Oh, yes, atrocious offensive performance by the Baltimore Orioles. Um, so the question is, Jake, what is the cause? So – we mentioned this earlier. Buck said the team was still dealing with the virus. We don't buy that one bit, right? I don't buy it because it, it reeks of excuse making. However, let's just oh, Jesus. I'm going to do this. Let me put on the Jim Hunter glasses. All right, just join me in this world for a second. Well, me and Bonnie were at home last night, and we were eating some baked ziti. And uh, well, just, the just, conversation at Johnson Scope and Catholicism came up. So just join me for a moment. All yes. right, the Orioles have a high-powered offense. Yeah. Yes. Yes. They have an offense that you would expect to be able to pass the torch. So even when one person is not hot, somebody else is picking up the slack. Yes? Yes. Okay. So your expectation is that long periods of absolute disappearance of the offense shouldn't happen. And so the facts that the Orioles have been abysmal offensively. All through July. And the explanation of the fact that the team is not healthy match up. Oh, yeah. Right? Regardless of the fact that that reeks of excuse-making, I mean, just reeks of excuse-making, that does at least marry up. Oh, yeah. It, it, it does pair up to your expectation not being met and there being a, a reason for that. Beyond that, no, you're right. I don't buy it. I, I I think that's bunk. All right. So the other cause would be failure to make adjustments once the league adjusted them. This comes back to people complaining about Scott Kubal not making adjustments, and everyone seems to be going up there and hacking the same way. But my argument back to that would be: you look at the walk weight and you look at the strikeout rate, and it's basically the same as it was the entire season. So are we really thinking that it's just? Uh, not an adjustment in terms of play discipline. I'm not buying that whatsoever. Are you? No, I'm not. And the thing is, is that for hell or high water, this team is all about hacking. And, you know, I, I think if you were to look and, and if I were better prepared, I'd have the stats for you. But Scott, I think if you'd look at the swing on the first pitch versus success on that swing at the first, uh, first pitch ratio, you'd be pretty, pretty pleased. And when you look at players like, Adam Jones and Jonathan Scope and other players who drive us nuts because they don't look at a ton of pitches, they jump on that first pitch because they're aggressive hitters. And oh, by the way, at the end of the year, they happen to be good hitters. Yeah. So I, I don't buy the fact that the fact that they are aggressive means that they're not good. Yeah, it's frustrating to watch in the micro, but in the macro, that works for them. Yeah. And Particularly he- because you don't know if the, if the, um, a scouting report isn't, hey, this guy throws a lot of first pitch strikes, so let's have Adam. And the other one was the 
they were just sort of were playing over their head for the entire first half of the season, and now they're being exposed to a certain regard, um, such as maybe Jonathan Scope or Mark Trumbull aren't so good. And I, and I think to a certain certain regard, Mark Trumbull is definitely coming back to earth. But as a team, a team like this does not put up a two thirty six BABIP. A team like this does not put up only six home runs over the past seven days. Uh, a, a team like this does not have a 16.9 infield fly ball percentage, which we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Typically, it's around 10% for league average. So we've got a ton of infield fly balls. We've got a ton of Babbitt that is extremely low. This seems like an outlier scenario. There's no reason the Orioles should have a 76 weighted runs created plus and be the dead last in the league in terms of runs scored in July. This seems like to me, all right, it doesn't smell right. This doesn't look right. Something's going to basically respond accordingly and going to come back towards the mean. And we always talk about if someone's really good, they're like, well, they're not going to be this good for that long. It's going to come back to their mean thing. This is the same thing for the Baltimore Orioles. The Baltimore Orioles are not the worst offense. I don't care about their play discipline. They are a power-hitting team that hits extra base hits, and they haven't done that recently. And that's not because of play discipline. That's just been sheer, just poor bat, bat, bat ball contact. And certainly just kind of running up against a few good defenses and a few good teams. So with that, the Orioles are going to return to the mean very soon. I don't know if it's going to be this week. I don't know if it's going to be next week. But relatively soon, the Orioles are going to bust out, and they're going to bust out very strong. Um, and as much as people want to criticize this team, um, this is a really good offense. This is the top 10 offense. I still think it's actually a top five offense. Um, and, and this team is going to show that in August and September when it really matters. I hope you're right. I think there may be something to the are they play were they playing over their heads thing. Um, to a certain regard, I think you go back and look at June's number. So in June, the offense was number two in baseball, and I was just like, yeah, they had like 120 rated ones created plus. So they're probably not as good as they're playing right sure. now, but they're certainly not 76. Like they're they're probably closer to like 102 to 105 weighted runs created plus, which is fine. But they're not 76. I look, mean, I, you can't convince me anyway. No, I, I hear all that. But if you look at the secondary players like Tr- Trumbo and Scope and, you know, those guys that were carrying the team, is it fair to say that those guys can't be relied on to be the the world beaters that they were for so long and that you really need to depend on guys like Jones and Davis and, and, and Machado. I was about to say there's that Manny Machado guy who was pretty darn good. Yeah. And, and so when those guys slump, you can't necessarily depend on the second tier guys to be world beaters. Uh, I mean, it's okay for people to slump. I mean, let's go back to the 2014 season. Nelson Cruz slumped in June and July. But who was there right there to pick him up? Manny Machado uh, was there to pick him right up. Actually, Steve Pierce. Oh, that's right. That Steve Pierce was also a well, on the, during that time as well. Um, so it, it's just that no one has picked this team up on their back as much as J.J. Hardy has had. He's still not that good of an offensive player. So the Orioles need someone to break out quickly and uh, start carrying this team once again. And once one player breaks out significantly, the rest of the players are going to basically fall right in line and be like, well, if he's hitting like that, I can hit like that too. It just it requires one player to break out of that funk. And as soon as that happens, this team is going to be dynamite once again. And keep in mind, this team had an absolutely abysmal June offensively, 
and managed to fall back to a position in which they still retained first place. Right. So, so the sky and, may not be falling. Right. July they went twelve and fourteen, which again it's only two games under five hundred. Um, certainly not great, but certainly not terrible as well. Um, again, they're still what fourteen games above five hundred, so that's that's pretty darn good. Can we scoot along to third base? Yeah, we've been at first and second, and now we've got a runner in scoring position, so go ahead. All right. Um, look, you and I, <laughs> everyone assumes we're a couple. Uh, you and I went to the beach this weekend, uh, took the families to the beach. We went to Rehoboth. Thanks to your family for yeah. hosting us. I appreciate it. Uh, we, we were in a place where we were uh, taking the kids to the beach, uh, going out to the boardwalk, doing things that weren't necessarily in support of sitting around watching or listening to ball games, and so I will admit that outside of checking the score on my phone or or checking up the next day, I did not watch a lot of the series in Toronto where the Orioles, until they salvaged a game on Sunday, were were shellacked. Yeah. Right? I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. It was it was an ugly bit i I went down for a nap and it was like one one or something like that and then i woke up from it was like nine to one i was just like what the heck happened here so i totally cyst out of the the toronto series you know the the orioles had gone through a winning streak and then they welcomed the rockies into town and they lost the series and i thought you know okay okay that happens you lose series no big deal you're allowed to lose at home every once in a while right and then they went and they lost in in the most crucial time to the the biggest threat in the AL East to them, I think, which yeah. is the Toronto Blue Jays. So, again, I totally wussed out of that series because I was too busy building sandcastles. And, and, but it got me to thinking. No, literally, he was building sandcastles. No, really. I, yeah. I, I built awesome sandcastles. They were kind of epic sandcastles. They really were. Um, so much for high tide, though. It's, high tide is the is the biggest enemy, right? It's the the Visigoths. It's the Abolto, it's the Abolto Jimenez of uh, of your career. So it got me to thinking that this was a lot like the 2014 ALCS. Look, it was clear to me that things were not going the Orioles' way, and I I just wasn't sure that I could emotionally handle the Orioles getting swept out of the ALCS. So it was an afternoon game. I had to work that day. And I didn't watch game four and I didn't listen to game four. I studiously avoided game four because I couldn't handle the, the heartbreak. Mm. And it got me thinking that, you know, this week, uh, this weekend of playing the Toronto Blue Jays and losing and having a miserable time and watching the Orioles just fail to fire on all cylinders is probably the reason that I I still have good, solid hope for the rest of the season. The, part of the reason that I feel like the Orioles are in good shape to continue on through August and September is the fact that I didn't watch this viciously awful game. But I have a history of, I'm going to admit it, Scott, I have a history of putting my head in the sand when the rubber meets the road. So, you know, I, I've I've... I've bared this out, uh, you know, bared my soul to you, uh, the listener. We addressed this in episode 99.99999, which was entitled Summer Song, and I encourage you to listen to that to that episode uh but so that's my that's my fault right that is my my failure as a fan do you have any scott do you have any games or series or, or periods that 
for the protection of your Orioles loving soul would have been better for you to just have skipped out on and, and checked in on later? Well, of course, there's game one of ALDS number uh, 2012, um, where going there, first playoff game since me going in 1997, and really close game through the whole thing. Jim Johnson comes in and um, explodes, is the best way to describe it, which prompted me to stay to the end of the game, then walk back to my car, uh, only to realize that my car was locked in a garage, and for me to basically chuck my backpack uh, across Martin Luther King Boulevard in frustration at that point. Uh, that is a famous evening in our family. Um, so, so yours is ALDS game one in 2012. L- let me just throw a couple of other, uh, candidates out there. I would say it would have been better for me not to have experienced that series in 2013 against the Giants. Mm. If I had been on vacation or had managed to miss that whole bit of disappointment, I probably would have been a happier human being. Yeah, I could, I could see that. Um, one game also that you said that you specifically avoided, I kind of avoided ALDS game number four. So after the whole Brian Mattis situation, I was just like, I really just don't want to see game four happen because I don't want to see a clinching on the field. But I kept kind of walking around my house, turning the game on for a half an inning, watching it. And I'd be like, no, I'm going to jinx it. I need to turn it back off. And then I would like walk around my neighborhood, come back and watch it again. And then the game would finally end. And I was just like, oh, my God, we actually won game four. Like, we set up now for a game five. Like, we only have to win one more game. And then, of course, they lost. But still, it was actually kind of therapeutic to watch it because it's like, if they would have lost that game, I would have been really upset. But getting the least of game five, I kind of felt like, well, at least we took them to the edge. All right. So, Birdland, Bird's Eye View listeners, we need your opinions. What game, series, or Nice summer song. We're just going to let this play out. We're going to let this play that out. So let us know. What, what's the hashtag here? Uh, no, no hashtag. Just reply to us. Uh, we'll, we'll call it O's Ostrich. Oh, O's Ostrich. Okay. What, what game, what series, what period of Orioles fandom do you think you would be better off to just have skipped out on? To completely avoid it. And if you need a good example, again, go back to episode 99.999999. But don't. It's entitled Summer Song by Chad Jeremy. It's a great song. All right, so home plate, upcoming schedule. Texas Rangers, who have absolutely put a hurting on the Orioles, um, 1-3 in the postponement split four-game series. Um, and the Rangers are coming in hot, going 7-3 um, over the last 10 games. Um, but then after that, Jake... You go against the Chicago White Sox and they go against the Oakland Athletics, who I think are ripe for the picking. Um, I realize that they're on the road, but I think this is a prime opportunity for the Orioles to get on a roll. I think if they can take two or three from the Rangers and just kind of go into that West Coast trip pretty well, I'm not expecting much against the Giants, to be honest. But I think this could be a really interesting portion of the schedule. I think if they can go, I'll say 550 or 600 um, in this trip in the next two weeks, uh, I think it's playoff bound at this point. If it's not, then we're in deep doo-doo. And here's the thing. There are no cupcakes left in the Orioles schedule. No, there's not. It, especially in August. I haven't, I haven't looked ahead to September. I'm not in that A lot of AL East. They have a lot of teams where you look at it and you go, oh, these are not gimmies. Nope. Um, and, and the thing is, well, pass the Giants. Let's go. Red Sox, Astros, Nationals, Yankees, Blue Jays. Wow. 
Yeah. And, and a lot of those teams, minus the Astros, are teams that would love to knock us out. Oh, right? the Astros are, would definitely want to knock us out because they're going for a wild card position right now. Yeah, but I'm saying, you know, the the Nationals, the Blue Jays, the Yankees, the, the, the Red Sox, those those are teams oh, sure, that sure, are sure. vestedly interested in our misery. And then there's the Yankees. Yeah, they're not important this year. Yeah. But yeah, it's going to be a really big August. Let's be honest. If the Orioles don't go um, 550 in August, eh, they're, they're probably going to be tough on a playoff uh, playoff or division uh, aspect to it. So the Orioles can't just put a 500 record up. They really need to be putting a 550 record up this, this, this month. Well, let's remember, it was August of 2015 that sunk the contending Orioles. Correct. The Orioles really were in contention until they dropped two six-game losing streaks separated by a win. So they lost 12 out of 13 games, and, and then that was it for them. Uh, so if you look at this August, I mean— Looking at the schedule, I, I do believe that there is every chance of the Orioles dropping a, a crap ton of games. Yeah. But if they can survive this schedule with just over 500, I mean, what does 550 come down to in, in a month? It's just over 500, right? It's one or two games, basically, yeah. yeah. If they can just manage to avoid really going into a tailspin in a time where they are, are really not clicking on all cylinders, then I agree with you. They have a lot of, they have a lot of, uh, potential of making september a winning month because again in september they get to leverage the 40-man roster and that is where duquette and showalter really come into their own it's just they have to make it through they have to make it through this next 30 games i frankly am terrified of the texas rangers they uh beat us handily when we played them last time sure and they retooled Oh, after the all-star or after the uh, deadline. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, they definitely have retooled. Um, I guess we'll we'll see what happens. And, you know, at least I'd rather be playing them here than in Arlington is the best way to put it. So sure. let, let me ask you this. Yeah. Are you a glass half full or a glass half empty guy on the remainder of the Orioles schedule? I am a glass half full kind of guy. Ooh, get those rose-colored glasses out, Scotty. But the problem with me being glass uh, glass half full is I was glass half full last week with Chris Davis, and that didn't serve me very well. Let's go over to the let's go over to fantasy balls. All right, so the last week's was strikeouts. Um, it was an over and under, 10 and a half, and uh, Jake took, well, he took the over, and Chris Davis struck out 12 times last week, uh, leading Jake to blow up in the lead, 7 to 5. So this week, Jake, my category is going to go to, let's keep it simple. We're going to go with dongs. Dong, 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 dong. So, Jake, who's going to hit the most amount of dongs for the Baltimore Orioles this week? Wait, wait, wait. this is an open-ended question. Whoever hits the most dongs wins? Whoever hits the most dongs wins. Scott? Yeah. 
Steve Pierce. Wow. All right. Well, I'm going Manny Machado because Manny Machado is going to have to break out of the funk eventually. But yeah, you, you take Steve Pierce. Good luck with that. All right. I I am comfortable with my pick. Well, you enjoy Steve Pierce's dongs over there. If, if Steve Pierce wins fantasy balls this week, I tell you what, we're just going to close out the category. You get an instant <laughs> win for the rest of the season. Ooh. I'm sorry, Derek Arnold, but it, that's I'm just going to call it at that point. If Jake goes up three not three up on me, and uh, he gets it with Steve Pierce, it's an instant win for the rest of the season, in my opinion. And that means that Derek's going to have to pick a new segment for the show, or Derek is just going to have to come on the show and basically go against us for fantasy balls. I like it. All right, with that. Let's go ahead and figure out who is good, who is bad, and well, pretty much everyone was ugly this week in the Good, Bad, and the Ugly. That's right, folks. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to start out this week. Good. It's going to go to Adam Jones, who uh, is definitely back at the plate, posting a 187 weighted runs created plus a 406 on-base percentage. Yeah, people give him flack for being in that leadoff position, but he did post a 9.4 walk percentage this week. Adam Jones, 9.4. Wait a minute. The Adam Jones I know, yeah, the Adam Jones you know, and a much and this comes back to the whole people saying, "Oh, Adam Jones has terrible play discipline. He swings at everything." Nine point four walk rate. That's the kind of walk rate that you can expect from a leadoff hitter when your leadoff hitter is the captain. God dang it! I hate that. Go ahead. My good for this week. Well, my good for this week doesn't have much to do with the Orioles, and I apologize, but my good is not having to deal with the fallout of a good start by Brian Mattis for the Chicago Cubs in their Sunday night baseball game against the Mariners. And I ought to be honest with you, I think there is an Orioles connection to the fact that I don't have to talk about Brian Mattis as a possible starter for a playoff-bound team. And that reason... He's a former Oriole in Nelson Cruz. So, Nelly, I, I want to thank you for going deep against Brian Mattis. Look, I don't have anything against Brian Mattis. Sounds like you do. I just don't want to have to deal with the feelings associated with Brian Mattis being successful other, uh, elsewhere. Look, we knew Jake Arrieta was going to have it wherever he went after us. We knew. We didn't know it would be this good, but we knew it was going to be there. And I didn't want to have to deal with Brian Mattis, for whom I thought that his next career was polishing shoes. So my good this week, not having to deal with a successful Brian Mattis. All right. My bad for the week is going to go to Mark Trumbo, who posted a impressive 24.1K percentage and a 3.4 walk rate, uh, posting a fabulous 138 on base percentage and posting an even more miraculous Negative 18 weighted runs created plus for the seven past seven days. Mark Trumbo, as much as people wanted to move Mark Trumbo into the four spot ahead of Chris Davis, Mark Trumbo was equally as bad. Actually, I'll take that back. He was worse than Chris Davis because he couldn't get on base. Mark Trumbo, you're this close to being ugly. But I'm going to say that for somebody else. Yikes. That's a threat. That's a threat. Uh, for my bad this week, I'm going to go with Jonathan Scope. 
And Jonathan Scope is a player who's done so well this year and a player that we've grown to expect so much from. And so when he doesn't come through, it's a problem. And Jonathan Scope did not. Look, his weighted runs created plus for this week was six. Mm. His WOBA Mm. was 188. Mm. Jonathan Scope not getting it done in 30 plate appearances. 30. He's a regular. He needs to produce at the plate. And it just did not happen. And so this week, my bad goes to Jonathan Scope. All right, my ugly. Folks, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story of driving down the road in a car, listening to delayed radio of Major League Baseball. (laughs) And sitting there watching MLB at bat come up and you following along in the gameplay. You see the Orioles go up 2-0. And then you see a home run and then another home run and then another home run. And you decide it's time to mess with Jake English. So that when Joe Angel was calling the game and you say, wouldn't it be something if Kevin Gossman gave up a home run here and bam, he gives up a home run. And he's like, well, there's no chance there's going to give him another home run. I bet you would quit baseball. If that would happen, bam, another home run. And then he's like, well, at least it's only a tie ball game. There's no way they're going to hit another home run. And then bam, they hit a home run. The incredulous look on an individual's face that didn't realize that you were keeping up with it real time would almost make this not ugly, but good. But Kevin Gossman giving up three home runs in the first inning and giving up a 2 nothing lead that was accredited to him, that is ugly. Playing a prank on Jake was good, though. Yeah, you're a jerk. <laughs> you're a jerk because because originally, originally it was uh it was Bautista that that hit the home run, and then I was like, God, that's so frustrating. I was like, I, and then uh, when Edwin Encarnacion came up, I was like, watch him hit home run. Then it happened, and then later on in the inning, you you while I was driving said, Oh, watch so and so and so hit home run. And then it happened. It took an embarrassingly long period of time for me to figure out that you were following Twitter ahead of the Sirius Satellite Radio. You, sir, are a jerk and should be ugly for that. <laughs> but really, who's the ugly for this week? My ugly for this week was Adrizum or Despania. Why is he on this team still? Yes. And that's the question. My question to you is, Adrizum or Despania, do you even baseball? Adrizum or Despania... It was supposed to be a guy that could get outs. He was supposed to be a guy that could give either spot starts or long relief, and the answer has been neither. Let's just let's just take a look at what he has provided in his last two outings alone. He gave up four earned runs in his star or his appearance rather on July twenty eighth and two earned runs on July thirtieth. And outside of a scoreless appearance uh, before on July 19th, that's pretty representative of what he's done. Yeah. So past 30 days, 5.87K per nine, 5.28 walks per nine. Yeah. He has been abysmal. And it's not just in appearances where it's mop-up duty. Right. That's a Baldo Jimenez territory. Correct. Adrizimer has been brought in to either bail out a starter or to defend a game in which the lead was very small. And he has done Neither. Correct. So my ugly for this week is Adrizum or Despagne, a person whom I expected a lot more from and a person from whom we are getting next to nothing. Well, you'd be glad to know he's probably gone 
starting tomorrow. Oh, yeah. He's got options, and so he's gone. Yeah, he's gone tomorrow. I mean, when Wade Miley comes in, Idris Mertespagne is gone. We'll see if Logan Andrusik makes it away from Steve Pierce, but I wouldn't be surprised if both Idris Mertespagne and Logan Andrusik both get chopped out of uh, – out of the out of the bullpen. I gotta imagine that uh, Wilson is gone. I don't. I don't. I don't see it. I don't see it. I, they're they're already short benched. They have three people on their bench right now. Can they option Andrusnik? I have no clue. Actually, I don't think they can. I do. Think I care. They can do. I care. I think they can. Do I care? No, you don't care. I'd rather I, have Tyler Wilson. I would too, but they can option him to keep. Give him. me Tyler Wilson. Give me Wilson. Or give me. De- That's not a good sign. No, that is not a good sign. All right. Well, that was fun talking about Idris Mundespagne being the bad three musketeers villain. Um, and with that, all for one and one for giving up runs. We blowing the save here? Oh, please do. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and blow the save. So for those that don't know, um, I spent my Thursday evening uh, away from the family who were at the beach um, meeting an Orioles legend. Um at the Barnes Noble in White Marsh, um, Jim Palmer was doing his book signing, nine innings to success. And uh, I decided to go in there and, what's the best word to use? Harass him a little bit. So standing with 50. You? Yeah. You of all people? Standing with 50 or so more Orioles fans, all within the ages of 50 to 78, I decided to serve as the single outlier. Um, the and, jerk. And, and be the jerk slash the 30-year-old in the audience. So... I slowly get to the front and I saunter up, noticing that there really is no security around Mr. Palmer. And I drop my book with him. He goes to sign it. And of course, I have to ask him to sign it with some jockey references. And then I ask him the proverbial question. Jim, what's the deal with Rick Peterson? And he says, what do you mean? I'm like, no, really? Like, why Rick Peterson? And I'm expecting him to give a fluff service because, well... If I think fluff, I think Jim Palmer. And what proceeds is Jim Palmer basically railing into Rick Peterson and basically saying that if it was up to him, um, I believe it would be something along the lines of his life would be forfeit at my hands. (laughs) Not quite in those words, but that was generally the general sentiment. Um, But yeah, Rick Peterson uh, has no love from Jim Palmer. And if Jim Palmer doesn't see you in high regard as a pitching uh, development coach, well, I, I generally don't hold you in pretty high regard, too. I'm not saying Jim Palmer is perfect, but I'm going to take a lot more credence to what he has to say than a Rick Peterson. But uh, a really interesting conversation piece uh, with with between me and Jim for about, I'd say, like three to five minutes. Um, and he was very candid, um, and it was really a, a fun experience, more fun than I actually was expecting going in there. Um, and I came out with a signed book and uh, – an overall memorable um, experience to tell the kids in the future. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Did he sign the book to Tish? He did not sign the book to Tish. I specifically was thinking, I was like, do I have him sign it out to Tish or do I have him sign it to Scott? I decided to make it up for and say, I'm going to have him sign it to Scott. But the uh, book that Chris Maurer gave us, um, basically someone also had it in line with them, and he also signed that too. And I was just like, I know that book. I have that book. No, Tish has that book. No, I have that book. It is right there on my table. I can see it right here. But uh, it was a really fun evening. And yeah, Rick Peterson, um, better watch out for Jim Palmer because he's coming for you. And that's pretty much all I have for blowing the save. Well, it was an interesting week. 
this show went really long, number one. Uh, and, and number two, um, a lot of moves were made at the trade deadline, but I don't think the Orioles are quite done yet. I think if Dan Duquette's proven anything, um, it's roster changing galore in August and, like you said, calling up a multitude of players in September. So it was a fun day to see what happens, and it'll be fun to see Steve Pierce on there. But I think we can be sure to see additional players come to the Orioles next month. All right, let me ask you. Yeah. The Orioles going to make the playoffs? Yes, yes or no? Yes, yes, yes. I say Wild card, yes. but yes, yes, yes. I say yes as well. All right, with that, Baltimore and beyond, I have nothing left for you, so I will bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night, everybody. Be safe out there, and let's go O's. Steve Pierce! I do not call you Tish often enough. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Go.